Um, if you've been with us at any point in time during the course of this year so far, you know where we started a series at the beginning of January looking at Jesus Revealed, and we're up to part nine, and we're, um, we're, we're really looking at this question of who do you personally say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? And, and that comes from Matthew 16, right, where Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? And um, we're, we're pressing into this because we believe that there's a greater measure of abundant life for each of us to have, and we can access, and that those who are in our spheres of influence are longing for us to reveal the authentic Jesus. And we can only give away what we have. And so to the measure that you have connection and experience with Jesus, that's what you receive. You get to release that to those that are around you. Um, and so that's why who you say Jesus is, is really a critical question. And we're looking at it um, through the lens of John. So we started in the Gospel of John, and that's where we're in the middle of, and we're going to get to the letters of John. And so we're putting on John's glasses. He was one of the disciples. He lived with Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He did ministry with Jesus. He had a firsthand account of who Jesus was and what he experienced. And as we've gone through um, John chapters 1 through 5 so far, we've identified 60 revelation statements about who Jesus is. And so today we're going to start um, John chapter 6. We're just doing a short, because Lisa was sharing a little bit, this message is going to be shorter, just so you know. But if you have your Bibles, you can open up to John chapter 6, verse 1, and we're going to start there. And it says, after this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. So he goes to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. It's called the Sea of Tiberias. And there's a large crowd that's following him simply because they've seen him do miracles. We don't know the list of miracles. We don't know what they saw. But the crowds were moved, and they wanted to be near Jesus. And so they follow him to the other side of the lake. Verse 3 says, Jesus went up on the mountain. There he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. So Jesus sees the crowd that's coming towards him. And he's moved with compassion. There's something about seeing this massive group of people um, that moves him to, to um, want to do something about it. We already talked about compassion in this series, that when Jesus is moved with compassion, usually it ends up becoming power in action, right? So when he's moved with compassion, you're typically going to see some measure of power that is involved in action. And that's what we've seen so far. And so um, this situation is no different. And he asked Philip, I love this, right? So he turns to Philip, here's this massive crowd of people, and he says to Philip, where can we get enough bread to feed these people? And Philip's like, um, it's not realistic, Jesus, to feed all these people. Like, it just, even if we had 200 denarii, which is about $8,700, right? So if we had that much money, we couldn't even give all of these people a little bit of bread. It would never satisfy them. 
Um, I think it's interesting that uh, John is stating that um, Jesus is, is sort of examining Philip's heart. How is he going to respond to this question? And that Jesus also already knew what he was going to do. Right? Isn't that curious? Jesus already had a plan. But he invites his disciples. I like it because he does the same thing with us. I don't know if you've experienced that with God. Often he will ask you a question to see what's really inside of your heart. And it's not in a condemning way. It's just to shine light, just to shine a light to say, what's really there? What's really inside of you? Verse 8, it goes on and he says, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? And so another one of his disciples, Andrew, he sees, okay, we have this one boy, and he has five loaves and two fish. And I think it's interesting for me, when I look at the text, that Andrew sees what they had. Now, it's amazing. You have this whole crowd of people, and all they could find was five loaves of bread and two fish, and it was a little boy who had it, right? So that's curious. But the reality is Andrew sees what they have, But he doesn't focus on what they have. He focuses on the impossibility of that amount making any difference. Do you get it? So when you're facing apparent lack, let's make it real to home. Have you ever been in a situation where you're facing apparent lack? I have, right? Do you have eyes to see what you already have? Do you ever stop and and take an account? What actually do I have? I can see the mountain of what I don't have, right? But what do I actually have? And um, do you believe that God can do something with what you already have? Verse 10, it says, Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. And Jesus then took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. So Jesus just has all the people sit down. There's about 5,000 men, which you assume there's probably that many women and children and that kind of stuff is more. So there's a lot of people. He takes what they have and he gives thanks. These five loaves of bread and two fish. And he thanks Father God for the provision of what they have. And then he has the disciples start distributing food. It never goes into detail of how these five loaves of bread and two fish get multiplied. But the reality is they're passing this out. It never stops, right? They had as much as they wanted. I mean, imagine being the boy. He's the boy who had the bread that fed the crowds. He's the boy who had the fish. And we don't know his response because John doesn't tell us. We don't know, was he angry that they stole his bread? Right? There was no guarantee. They just took his bread. He's the little kid, right? I think of my kids, right? Anyway, it's, it's curious. But then he gets to see a miracle happen because of what he had to feed all of these people. That's a cool testimony. Verse 12. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Is it, is it um, a coincidence that it's 12 baskets full that are left over? How many disciples were there? 12. Everybody got a basket, right? Um, 
There was enough for each one of them. What do you think Philip was saying then? What was Andrew saying then? They just had an experience where God took this little bit of stuff. He gave thanks. Jesus gave thanks. And next thing you know, they have enough to to feed 5,000, 10,000, whatever it is, right? You do the math. Um, What's going on in their hearts now? Verse 14, when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this indeed, or this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So the crowd sees the miracle and they're radically impressed. They're like, hey, this is a cool plan, right? We just have have him. He can give thanks. We're going to have food forever, right? And Jesus perceiving what they're going to do, right? Remember back to John chapter 2? We already looked at it. He knew what was in the heart of man, right? Um, he withdraws himself to the mountain. He knew that they were going to come and try and make him a king. He wasn't trying to become a king. That wasn't his goal. He wasn't trying to be significant or popular in the eyes of man. Again, because he knew it was in their heart. Verse 16, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. All right, so after everybody had eaten, Jesus recognizes that they're going to come and take him by force and try to make him a king. He goes up on the mountain alone. You have his disciples are still down there with the crowds. People are dispersing, right? And when it gets dark, the disciples are like, I guess we're going to go. We're going to go back home. We're going to go back to Capernaum. And so they get in the boat, and they start to row. Um, Verse 18, it says, The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. And when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat. And they were frightened. Hmm. But he said to them, it's I, do not be afraid. And then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. It's one of the most curious passages. So the disciples are rowing their boat back to Capernaum, and the sea starts getting rough. And they had rowed for about three or four miles, right? It doesn't say how long that took. We don't know. Um, but then here comes Jesus just walking down on the water, right next to them, effortlessly, right? seemingly, right? Um, and the disciples are frightened. Like, would you be frightened? I'd be frightened. Like, who, what, what? And Jesus is like, oh, it's just me. It's just me. I'm just going for a little walk. I, I know you guys are struggling in the boats, right, to row these boats across the sea, but I'm just, I'm just on a little stroll. And I think it's, it's curious that then Jesus gets in their boat. And what happens next? Immediately the boat's on the shore. Has anybody got an explanation? Was it just a mighty wind that then, right? We don't know. There's no, there's no other account, right? It's a mystery, but it's very interesting. All right, so that's all we're going to look at today. Out of John 6. So who's the, who is the Jesus or who is Jesus revealed in John 6 verses 1 to 21? There's a lot there. 
Um, one of the things that is revealed is Jesus is the one who models thanksgiving. He models it for his disciples. He modeled it for the crowd. He models it for us, right? Having eyes to see what you have and being thankful or celebrating it. Do you know that Jesus? Do you, do you know what does it look like to look at what you have, what he's given you? We've, we've already looked at everything that we have comes from him. Everything. Right? You may think, well, I got my paycheck because I worked really hard. Well, even that job and that paycheck, that comes from him. Right? So the reality is, is everything that you see in front of you, you can give thanks for it and you can celebrate it. Jesus modeled that. Um, the second is Jesus is the one who miraculously provides beyond what they could think or imagine more than enough. Do you know that Jesus? Personally, have you experienced that Jesus who has provided in your life exceedingly abundantly beyond what you can think or imagine more than enough, right? And if you haven't, there's an invitation by the Holy Spirit today to press into him and say, I want to know you more. I want to know more of that aspect of who you are. The third is Jesus is the one who walks on rough water. Have you ever thought about that? The disciples are straining, struggling, and Jesus is just, he walks right on by effortlessly, fearlessly. He's not phased by the storm. He's not phased by the sea and how rough it is. He's just walking on water, right? Um, and then Jesus is also the one who gets in the boat with us. It made me think about um, what boat do you find yourself in today? The disciples, they were in a boat where they were struggling to get to the other side because of the storm that they were facing. What boat are you in? What, are you in, in, in a financial struggle? Are you in relational struggles? Are you in um, uh, difficulty trying to figure out what you're going to do next? Is there, is there any, any situation that you're currently facing that you could say, that's the boat I find myself in? And what would it look like if Jesus got in the boat with you? Because I know his heart is to be right in the boat there with you. Isn't that interesting? Um, and what happens when he gets in the boat? Well, the, the last one that I saw as a revelation is Jesus is the one who accelerates the journey. Right? Sometimes we have another picture in Scripture where Jesus speaks to the storm. He's, he's, he calms the storm. And so you might be in a situation that feels overwhelming in your life right now. And you're just hoping that Jesus would come and say, be still <laughs> and have the storm just go away. But sometimes Jesus allows you to continue to going through the storm. That's what we see in this picture. But he accelerates the journey um, what was hard without him is quickly over with him. Have you experienced that, Jesus? The truth of that? Of him accelerating something that was very hard and difficult. You, you turn to him and you invite him into the situation. And next thing you know, things are happening where it just becomes a little bit easier. It ends quicker. Right? Um. Back to where we started and sort of how we've ended every one of these messages, 
is, who do you say Jesus is? Like, we care about the other people that are sitting in the room. Right? They matter to us personally. But for this series, what really matters is, what do you say? Who is the Jesus that you know? And as you hear the sort of the truths from Scripture, we're just pulling things out. Do you, have you just heard that or heard that before? But do you really know it? And are, you, um, are there aspects regarding these truths that you want to press in to know more? So here's five fresh revelations about who Jesus is. You may read one of those and you say, I don't, I don't know if that's true. That's okay. Right? This is just what I, as I'm reading the text, right, I'm pulling it out. Right? I'm not reading a manual. I don't have a book that says, these are the, these are the revelations in the gospel of John. Let's go give those. No, I'm just reading the scripture. I'm saying, Jesus, who are you? Reveal yourself. Right? You could do the same thing at home. I encourage you to do the same thing at home. But the revelations that you're pulling out of the Gospel of John, in this situation, it's John 6, 1 to 21. Can you share those with integrity to those in your sphere of influence? Right? Do you really know that you know that you know it? That that's who Jesus is? Because then when you share it with the people in your sphere of influence, you share it with authority. They see that it's, it's real in your life. You've experienced it, right? The disciples experienced Jesus taking something so, such a, a pittance, simply giving thanks, and then miraculously, it's, it's created enough to feed the masses. They experienced that, right? Nobody could ever take that away from them. They saw it firsthand. They saw Jesus do that, Right? And if you read the other uh, Gospels, right, you know he did it more than once. The reality is he wants us to know him. He wants to reveal the truth of who he really is because it's meant to impact our lives. And then we're supposed to host the same revelation, the fullness of that, so we can go and do the same things. I don't know if any of you have heard testimonies about God multiplying food and that kind of thing. I have. I haven't seen it personally with my own eyes, but I know there's people in this congregation who have. They've experienced it where they were serving um, the food at a, a line, right? And there were so many people that had gathered, and they didn't know how are we going to have enough food to, to meet the need. They just prayed over the food. They asked, or they gave thanks over it. And by the time everybody had gone through, there was still more than enough in the pot. So it still happens, right? Um, is the reality... And, and we're meant to walk in that. Um, if, you, if you can't share these truths with integrity, why not? Right? I've said this every message that I've given. It's not a question of condemnation. It's actually, is there anything that's going on inside of you that would hinder you from knowing Jesus, the revelation of Jesus that's being revealed today, that is sort of blocking that? And, and would you be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to shine his light on that? It may be because of a past trauma or a past experience where it didn't seem like he actually came through for you. And so you've closed that part of you off to say, I'm never going to put myself in that situation again. I don't, I don't, I don't want to trust him again because he let me down over here. And the reality is, is God's right here today and he's saying, will you let me 
talk about that with you? Will you let me share my perspective on what you experienced and where I was as you were experiencing it? And allow him to minister healing and wholeness to get you back to a place where you can say, I'm going to dare to trust him again. Right? Um, The Holy Spirit is willing to take us, you, me, into deeper encounters to knowing Jesus for who he really is. And that, we believe, as a leadership team, is his heart for our house, Grace Fellowship, for this year. And and so that's why we're doing this series. So I'm going to pray. Jesus, I, I thank you for these two snapshots. The snapshot with the crowd and the multiplication of the loaves and fish. And the snapshot with the disciples on the sea, straining um, to get across, and you walking effortless, effortlessly, and then getting in the boat, and quickly they're already at the shore. And Lord, I pray for those who are hearing the sound of my voice today, or any who will hear on the podcast. I pray that um, the fullness of what you're revealing in those two snapshots would come forth. And that um, we would not miss anything. That you would highlight for each individual what you're really pressing in for. What's the truth or revelation that you want them to get about who you really are? That they can, um, they can take it. They can hold it. They can look at it. They can ask you about it. They can um, allow you to speak to them about that aspect. And then they can take it deep into the core of who they are and experience you more for who you really are, so then they can give it away to those in their sphere of influence. We just want to advance your kingdom in this land and to the nations, but it requires us to know you. Yeah, and I thank you and I praise you that you're a God who wants to be known. And we just give you glory for that. And we say during this week, Lord, would you bless every hearer with a greater revelation of the truth of who you really are that it would impact us personally, that our lives would never be the same, and it would impact how we live, that the lives of those in our spheres of influence would never be the same. And we can't do any of that apart from you and apart from your grace. And so would you pour out a fresh wave of grace on every single person today? In Jesus' precious name, amen.